Hey there, welcome back to Stepping Out in Faith again. I'm so glad to know that you're here listening. I hope that each one of y'all have had just the most wonderful holiday, the most wonderful Thanksgiving, and y'all have truly taken the time to focus on those things that we need to be most thankful for. The truth of it all is that no matter how each of us look at our lives, we are doing so much better than we deserve always. What we actually deserve is unimaginable and the exact opposite of pleasant but thanks be to God we are living on this side of the cross where each and every aspect of goodness in our life has been gifted to us through his mercy it is new every day sometimes it takes hard times for us to see that but it is for our good this is your reminder that even if you feel that there isn't much to be thankful for, God has given you a new day and it comes with new purpose and should be held with great pleasure and a spirit of high responsibility. So today we are going to talk about Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. Let me begin by reading you the passage. For it will be like a man going on a journey who is called, who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And the master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth so first let me tell you that this passage to give you some clarity is a parable parables are how Jesus taught so many lessons so when you read these, what you see in plain sight, it's not necessarily what the story comes down to. There's always something deeper that Jesus wants us to learn, and the Lord takes great pleasure when we dig down into the scripture and we make it applicable to our present day lives. So don't ever doubt that the part or any part of the Bible 
doesn't reflect into your present time in your life. It is timeless. It is full of endless wisdom, and we should never neglect to soak it in. So the first thing I would like to point out heavily is that he entrusted this to these men. Entrusted. Let's put emphasis on entrusted. When you are entrusted with something, you are fully responsible for the protection of that place, person, thing, duty, its ability to survive, thrive, prosper, and grow. So when I think about entrusted in those terms, I usually think of adoptive parents. In this world, we have many wonderful people that give over their lives to the process of adoption. They've taken children that otherwise, for one reason or another, they have this blank space in their life that they need to be filled. They need love, shelter, guidance, wisdom, knowledge, safety. Did I say love? So there are so many children out in this world that they crave a home that's full of comfort and peace where they can relax and feel this true nature of what it means to be part of a family. I could go on and on and on about what a gift all of these men and women are to these children of all ages. They are absolutely selfless. They lay it all down. They open up their homes to any child that needs them. When they could have so easily just moved on, never checked up, they obeyed the call that the Lord has laid on their heart. And thank you. To all of you so much that do so, it is no easy journey. You are seen, you are appreciated, you are prayed for. I myself, I have seen so many of these children that have been entrusted to friends and family that I know survive, thrive, prosper, and grow. Um, did you know that in Ephesians 1, we as Christians are referenced to as adopted through Christ by Paul when he's talking to the Ephesians? Ephesians 1, 3-14 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to praise, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he sent forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, um, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to praise to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So Paul continues on and on about how great God is and his grace towards us, and how we are saved through Jesus, through the adoption of us through Jesus. But for time's sake, I've got to stop there because my point has been proven. Our lives, just as you see in the example of earthly mothers and fathers, are in love, predestined for adoption through Jesus Christ for the purpose of His will. From the moment that we surrender to the Heavenly Father, 
He has opened up his arms to show us his abundant grace and mercy, shelter from the spiritual storms, guidance through his Holy Spirit, wisdom through the word, safety from the backlash of the world, and unhindered love that we can never imagine or deserve. Everything that we have that is good is from him because y'all get used to it. You will probably hear it every single podcast. Everything that is good is of God. (sighs) So yes, we have been entrusted with our lives through the adoption of Jesus Christ. And I just think that is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Okay, to move on. So in this parable, the master entrusts to these men his property. I want you to think about um, the master as being God because this is the parable, so we're digging in. The master is God. He is entrusted to these men, which is us, his property, which is everything that we have that is good, that we are supposed to be using for his purpose through our adoption through Christ, correct? So, these talents, they're given. The the talents the master gives the men, they are given. They are not earned. They did not work enough or go to church enough or do enough community service or do enough shoeboxes at Christmas, okay? It is the master's property that he is handing out and entrusting to them for them to protect and to prosper. So if you don't believe me that they did not work enough to deserve this uh this talent. Um a talent was a monetary unit, so it was a piece of money that was worth about twenty years of wages for a laborer. So that would mean that the first man received a hundred years of paychecks. Okay, and one big lump sum and that would be just a bit overwhelming for me. So yeah. In verse 15, it is noted that the master gave out the talents according to each of their abilities. Now, it's common to hear, I know you've heard it before, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. So, I've gotten to where I absolutely love to hear that because it's the perfect opportunity for me to sprinkle a little knowledge about God and that just gets me excited. So, that saying is supposedly derived from 1 Corinthians 10.13 which reads, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Um, If you need to see that with your own eyeballs, I fully recommend looking that up. 1 Corinthians 10.13 So, yes, the text is referring to temptation. It breaks down to, no, me and you cannot handle everything, but God surely can. So, when we are overwhelmed with temptation to do something that we should not be doing, um, when we are caught in these times of trouble, he makes a way for us to overcome those situations. All right, back to the parable again. The master, who we read as an image of God, he knows our abilities, our faithfulness to him, our emotions, our innermost thoughts, what drives us, what trips us up. There is no algorithm, personality test, or anything else that we can ever come up with that can show you this um, intimate level of relationship that God has with us. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know you and me better than I know me. He knows our beginning and our end. And yes, he is the one true God and the one that knows your true ability to handle what you have been entrusted with, okay? So, we are going to go a little bit backwards here, and we are going to start with the third man in this parable that received the least. 
the one talent. We're going to look at him as an image of belief without action. This man seems to know what the master is capable of, um, but he is too afraid to make a move for fear of backfire. Note, our God is not a squishy, fluffy, teddy bear God, which today is too often what he is portrayed to be. So, Christians today seem to have this common belief that they're just free to make whatever exceptions, wherever they like, as long as they're covered by the blood. So, they commit to the option that takes the least amount of effort so they can check off the box from the list for that month, right? So, I put 20 bucks in the offering plate. Check. I was nice to somebody. I really didn't want to be. Check. These actions, they become dangerous because this whole just be kind and be a good human world, it makes us blind to the truth that it's just all an illusion. We create an illusion of a relationship. If this man, if God, number three, if he were really to have a relationship with God, with his master, he would have known that the master, he has plans for him and that he acts with, he just acts with a complete lack of trust by hoarding the the tool or the talent that he was given. Um, when we are, air quotes, just kind, good humans, without spreading our spiritual wealth, that's not the image of Jesus. That's the image of doubt and conforming to the world, sinking into a mindset of, I'm doing just enough. So he takes what he has, he buries it to protect it, not putting in you know, not putting it into the proper environment to grow, and it just, it remains the same. It sits there. So, guy number two, belief with action. This man, he's obedient. He knows what he's got to do. He knows it's worth. He acts responsibly. He's, he's obedient. He's trusting. He's comfortable with the assignment. He takes action. He takes what he's been entrusted with. He follows through. He is profitable. He has two talents. Now he has four talents. He does well. He is praised. And the master is happy. The first guy. The guy who orig originally started with the five talents. He is the goal, people. He is belief with immediate action. He was given the most with good reason, no questions, no doubt, fully and faithfully obedient, no hesitation whatsoever, and the most profitable of, of the three. So our God, when we think about discipleship, it sounds a little bit silly, but like all these MLM schemes, these multi-level marketing schemes where they're like, hey, if you just do this real quick and then you tell five of your friends and you, you uh, spread this to them and they'll spread it to five of their friends and five of their friends and five of their friends and it goes on and on and on and on. Um, those things don't always follow through like you would hope that they would, right? So <laughs> the good news is our God, he has a 100% success rate like no other. He has no side hustle if you're looking for him for just like a tiny little spiritual boost when times get hard, uh, you're just kind of looking in the wrong place. This isn't selling stick on nails or lipstick for a little extra Christmas cash. You're not hunting down folks and looking to add five more friends to your little team this week. The most beautiful thing about God is you're not alone. You're not searching for things by yourself. You're not throwing out to the wolves. 
He gives us what we need to succeed. He wants us to spread his word. And he puts us where we need to be and around those that we need to be with. Um, where we can be influenced by him and where we can influence others in our faith. It's just our jobs to be obedient and stay where he puts us and follow through. So when we're obedient, as the master tells, number two and number one, um, you've been faithful over little and I will set you over much. Just think that when we're obedient, the power that he has to influence through people to people through you, uh, it, it never ends. It starts with you. We're called to make disciples. And when we pour our cups into others, it overflows out of their cups and into another and into another. And before you know it, your little match of hope that you started with, is it's now just grown. It's this raging fire. It can't be tamed. And suddenly, you're just a vehicle for the Word of God. And it's absolutely overwhelming to think about. So, this particular passage, it doesn't reflect that the master told them where to go or who to speak to about investing their funds, uh, but Psalms 23 does shed some light on that. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days of life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He leads us in paths of righteousness. If we are obedient and protecting the things that he has entrusted us with while we are properly acknowledging, keywords, properly acknowledging the inheritance we've received of the Holy Spirit and the adoption of ourselves through Jesus, then we cannot go wrong. 100% success rate. Another side note, as a new believer, I came really confused. I was just really, really lost when it came to the word righteousness. I wasn't sure what it meant other than people kept saying it over and over and over and over and over. So I did a little bit of research and in Luke 1 6 when referring to the story about the birth of John the Baptist, Luke is talking about John's parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and he says, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Righteous means that you are right with God. Through the cross, you are viewed as righteous, which means blameless. I hope that helps you because, man, that lost me for quite a while in the beginning. So, as I said earlier, the talents were given. They were not earned. Your resources are from Him. Again, everything that is good is from Him, and you are expected as righteous to put them to use in your discipleship. This is um, your talents, your money, your time, your home, your work, your everything that you have possession of. Uh, if it's your car, take people to church. If it's your house, um, open it up to people. Make it a wonderful place for your children and your husband to honor God. I mean, just we are given things with purpose. So don't ever compare your things to... Um, your house to 
Joe's house or your car to Sally Sue's car because let me tell you there are people in this world that they would do anything to have what you have so if God gives you two talents he gives you two talents if he gives you five talents he gives you five talents and you make what you can of those and he's gonna do what he can for you to help you grow because he has promised you that you will prosper okay that's in this passage so in the beginning of my faith journey I was completely scared so we live in this world it's it's ran by fear um, fear regret failure shame embarrassment it's a world where you're afraid to write anything remotely controversial because even if they, air quotes, they can't find anything else, they will suddenly just release the grammar police on you and try to shut you down and tempt you to quit and mess with you and get in your brain. Uh, they say, you know, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All right, well, that's fine. Um, be who you are, you know, do you. But I'm going to need you to, like, sit over here and do it by yourself so you don't, like, offend anyone else. So... As you grow in your faith and you build this relationship with God, the urge to constantly honor Him and build a relationship more and more with Him, it will just grow and grow and grow. And to the point, uh, it's just going to be bursting out of you and those outside voices, they're going to get quieter and quieter and quieter, okay? And you're just going to do whatever you have to do to honor the glory of God. So, my question to you today is, why are you afraid to use your time, your talents, your resources to, to honor God? The God that made you, the God who calls you friend, the God who, he created everything. So, what is bigger than God that you are so scared of? We tend to go to this passage as a financial guide and a lesson, which it is. But it's so much bigger than that. Stop thinking about your pocketbooks for just a second and think about your eternity and the eternity of those that you love that are around you. The reason being is because we're never guaranteed tomorrow. That's just a proven fact. Today, we're given two choices. One, you can harness and multiply the gifts that the Lord has for us with the intent of living our lives according to His will. Or number two, you can believe it all but buried in the sand, saying that you love God but not bearing the fruit that provides proof of that. And that's not what you were called to do. I don't care if you sit on the back pew or play in the praise band. If our goal is not to share and invest our spiritual wealth into our friends, family, children, and that guy you pass on aisle five at the Walmart in some form or fashion, then we're just not living the life that God has purposely equipped us for. Master, <coughs> The Master says, in Matthew twenty five twenty seven, that he expects what was his own with interest. And in verse 30, that anything less is absolutely worthless to be cast into darkness. I know without a doubt that I want to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't want this just for me. If that was true, I wouldn't be here speaking to you now. In the end, he gave the one talent that the third servant was originally given to the first. And then he not only had the five that he was originally entrusted with, but the other five as a result of his obedience. 
and now this. So he went from five to 11. And if you're doing the math still, that's 220 years of wages, may I add. So me personally, I can tend to look a lot like this middle guy. Um, loved by the Lord, faithful. But I need and I strive day by day to look more and more like the first guy. Slow to speak, quick to listen, not walking, but running to the finish line. I picture this guy just grabbing this bag of gold and holding on to it like it's a bad habit until he makes it to the bank, honestly. My husband had this hunting dog that she was a lab. She was supposed to be a duck dog and she loved to retrieve. But unlike most lab puppies she took her sweet time getting absolutely anywhere and she would go get that bird decoy every time very loyal but she looked a bit like eeyore getting there you've never seen anything like it her name was lily so lily and me turns out had a lot in common at the time but now i'm picking up the pace i'm not where i want to be and i hope that i never am because that means that i still remain in a spirit of humility and i'm always aware that i fall short of the glory of god if we are not aware that we fall short of the glory of God and um, we start getting a little bit of a God complex, then we need to break ourselves back down. Maybe you feel a bit like me or even a bit like the number three guy. Whoever you are, wherever you are the most important thing at this moment is to lay down your life your money your time your gifts your talents your resources at the feet of the lord and surrender it all to his will that he may use you from this moment forward as an investment to his kingdom where you can enter into his joy and he can multiply what you were given not because you deserved it into unimaginable proportions for his glory Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for not throwing us away just like we deserved, but adopting us into your light as sons and daughters of the one true King. You put us on the right path so that we can proceed to share you. Give us the courage and the wisdom to put our gifts to use in your name when and where it's necessary according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope each of you did not have um, trouble following me as I jumped. I jumped around a lot, but there was, I had a massive thought process on all of this, and I actually had to bring myself down a little bit. I was like, Heather, you're throwing too much out there at one time. you got to reel it back in because I was about to preach y'all the whole Bible today. <laughs> but um, I love you, and thank you so much for being here. I hope all of you are doing well. Have a wonderful week and another month of holidays. See you next time.